Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. Julie Douglas, my co-host, is on a well-deserved vacation this week, so I thought, hey, why don't I invite the guys from Stuff They Don't Want You to Know Over, and we'll talk about some shadow people. So, uh, hey guys, how's it going? Hey, it's going really well. This is Matt. And I'm Ben. Uh, we are thrilled to be here, so thank you for having us. This is man. an honor. This is uh, <laughs> one of yeah. the shows that I listen to all yeah. the time. Oh, uh, long-time fans, first-time co-host. Oh. oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, this is uh, this is weird for me because Julie's had uh, guests on here when I'm, I've been out, but this is the first time that I've been here without Julie, so... Uh, you know, she's, uh, she's kind of the, the rock of, of the show, you know? I mean, she's, she's, she's holding it together and now it's, it's just me and, and hopefully you guys helping to, to keep everything from falling apart. So. Oh man. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, possibly it's not just, uh, the four of us, Robert. Uh, there very well could be some shadow people assisting exactly. us, right? What? Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll roll with it. There are various takes on the, on the idea of just even a shadow, right? I mean, because obviously a uh, shadow has to do with the, with the optics uh, around us. So there's this you know dark person-shaped figure that is always uh, somewhere in our midst if the light is just right. And that has led to various uh, supernatural interpretations over the ages. Sometimes the shadow is a separate entity. Sometimes it is kind of a, a, a representation of the immaterial soul. But... Um, what when I say shadow people to you guys who are steeped in uh, conspiracy thinking and and uh, and paranoid delusions, not that you yourselves are paranoid, but uh, but this is your meat here. Mm. Uh, what comes to your mind when I say shadow people? Ooh, well, uh, if you, I'll take this one first, man. Oh yeah, go right ahead, yeah? please. Okay, so uh, one thing that's funny is that we receive quite a few uh, emails or contact via Facebook and YouTube from people who say. Uh, please do an episode on shadow people. We've never actually had the chance. First things that we think about, first things I think about at least, are uh, things that audience members have reported to us, uh, which might sound, uh, typically have something like this. Somewhere in their house or at a friend's house, they're asleep or they're dozing on a couch and all of a sudden uh, something is out of the corner of their eye. And it's sort of like, you know, when you have a floater in your eye and you're looking at the sun and you, you move your eye attempting to catch this strange, indistinguishable thing, and it always lingers just on the corner of your vision. And, you know, as you said, uh, one thing that's fascinating about this is that it's a very, very old idea, you know, and it, and it, it, it sort of cuts across cultures. Uh, so what I the first thing I think of are always going to be the strange stories that audience members have told us, either saying I believe it's a demon, or can you tell me what's going on? You know. Yeah, it makes me think about all the things that are just on the outside of our periphery, and that can be the actual physical periphery or uh, you know uh, deeper metaphysical periphery, something that we really believe is there, but we can't ever quite catch it we can't ever quite see it or grasp it fully yeah i mean because we're hardwired to pick up on that stuff i mean that's just part of our survival instinct if there's something that we can't quite see that's kind of hanging out 
just uh, at the edge of our vision, of course, that's going to elect uh, uh, some uh, some some shock or fear, or at least it's going to you know, you're, you're going to start asking questions in your head. Now, these uh, individuals who write in about shadow people, it it tends to be a negative interpretation or a, a fearful interpretation. Generally, yes. yeah, I haven't seen a positive man uh, <laughs> hanging out with my shadow people last weekend. <laughs> it was pretty great. We played cards. Who knows? Maybe uh, we'll get that letter via stuff to blow your minds after oh, this. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe, maybe so. we're giving shadow people. A bad name, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. In general, we we have uh, the people who do report that kind of stuff or ask us about it uh, want to follow up to figure out some explanation because they are fearful of it because it's not a, a positive experience. Now, one version of the uh, the shadow person that I found when I was poking around in some uh, folklore books uh, was the idea of Mister Nobody. Uh, Mr. Nobite is an English nursery spirit, never visible, but can be glimpsed as this diminutive, transient shadow. And so when something goes wrong in the house, uh, something's broken, something's out of place, somebody didn't put their uh, underwear back in the drawer, mm-hmm. well, then you blame Mr. Nobody, uh, which is, you know, it's a, it's a you know, nursery boogie, so it's, 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 it's silly. Nobody's particularly taking Mr. Nobody seriously, but it, re- it does have tinges of that, uh, that idea of the, of the shadow lurking at the edge of your perception, mm-hmm. and then what is it up to? Probably nothing good. At least now we know where South Park got the underwear gnomes idea oh, from Mr. Nobody. Yeah, we. I'm glad we figured that out. I'm glad we, we did that today. Uh, another one I found uh, mm-hmm. that I was really excited to talk to you guys about. Um, a tulpa from Ooh, Tibetan yes. mysticism. Pretty much just a thought form, right? Created right. by pure will. Uh, this idea, w- amongst people who have a belief or a, a conspiratorial belief, I mean, or paranormal belief in shadow people, the idea of a tulpa uh, frequently pops up. For any Stephen King fans in the audience, in the novel It, uh, the primary villain is uh, heavily implied to be something like a tulpa. Um, so the way that a tulpa works is that ultimately it is the product of the person observing it, right? Which has all sorts of interesting correlations in the uh, in an age where we have access to more modern interpretations, a better understanding of psychology and, and physics and biology. Uh, but it's it's fascinating to think that this belief in some kind of boogeyman that we create due to our thoughts. Could could dovetail so nicely. That's the best thing I could find. Nice. Yeah, if I remember correctly, with the tulpa, it's it's really it's steeped in this idea that that if we believe in something and we believe in it hard enough, we can actually bring this manifestation, this entity, out of the the thought world, out of the dream world, and into the real world, um, which has some interesting connotations with some stuff we're going to, to discuss later. But I can definitely see where if if there are sort of shadows to perceive in the corners of our perception. And if you are trying to drag something out of the immaterial, out of the world of dream and thought, that you might easily uh, pick up on those things. You, because you, you're not only susceptible to these uh, shadows, but you're, you're seeking them out, right? I'm glad you said that because in our experience, one thing that is very, very different is that Typically, people who believe that sh- the shadow people phenomenon is paranormal also uh, think it's different uh, to a ghostly phenomenon. It's somehow a non-human entity called forth from somewhere often, whereas, you know, a ghost would be in in this context, a ghost would be different. Um, but 
perhaps the same phenomenon produced them? I don't know. Is a ghost a tulpa? It's interesting you say that, Ben, because I was I was trolling through the above top secret forums trying to find stories of people who claim to have seen shadow people, and I I did notice that most of them were ascribing it to some other type of being. A lot of it was an angel or a demon, usually. Sure. Um, but yeah, all, I also got aliens. Like people really yeah. thought they might be aliens or time travelers. Yeah. Huh. Well, it's kind of. I mean, it's interesting you mentioned angels and aliens as well because it does seem. Like one of the things that really separates a ghost from from those other entities is that uh, to it with a ghost we apply it personhood even like mm-hmm. specific personhood like that is Grandpa uh, Rosenberg or that's uh, that's just the dude who might have lived in this house a few generations ago, but an alien is just I mean they're all alien stuff so we don't really know these these guys and gals uh, likewise. Angels, yes, you do have specific angels in uh, in your uh, religions and mythologies, but for the most part, we don't really we don't get to know them. They're unknowable beings, and the shadow people, the shades, or whatever we want to call them that uh, that we worry about in the edge of our perception, they too don't have a face. They don't have a uh, they, they don't have a persona. They're just something dark and mysterious that has some sort of. Uh, human-esque shape to it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing to add to the idea of angels and demons also would be the idea of jinn in Islam. So... Ah, uh, yeah, they were. As I remember correctly, the jinn are creations of fire, whereas uh, uh, humans are creations of dust. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, angels are light, and jinn are smokeless fire. Um, but this this concept, one one thing that's really interesting here is that what we're finding is a a million interpretations i'm being hyperbolic but a, a bunch of interpretations at the very least of uh something that could be could be the same thing or at least has a, a quite a few similarities so. Right. We have all these different scripts we can turn to to try and understand what the what the shadows are. And today we have even more scripts to turn to because we have a lot of a lot of shadows and shadow people in our in our uh, pop culture, in our fiction. I mean, uh, Game of Thrones just started up. And of course, uh, I'm not going to give any spoilers for people who are catching up, but a shadow entity uh, plays into a very uh, important plot point in one of the previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see shadow creatures all over uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I think that was probably my first exposure to this. Uh, I, and I was trying to look them up again. It seems like the the original shadow has kind of changed into various other shadowy monsters in the Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, lore. what is that? They phased it out of the monster manual, man. Yeah, like I was finding, I think a Night Stalker uh, or something to that that effect kept showing up. Um, How about some Dementors? I know it's not. Ex- Exactly the same thing, but the I guess the image of a Dementor from J.K. Rowling's uh, world yeah, yeah. reminded yeah. me of these guys. And I'll t- tell you another uh, pop culture reference that I'd completely forgotten about: a little movie called Ghost. Uh, most, most, uh, mostly we remember this for its uh, awesome pottery scenes. Sure. Right. But there was a whole plot element too, where these shadow creatures would come and drag ghosts away into yeah. the uh, the nether darkness. Uh, wow. Yeah, I'd, I'd completely forgotten that there was anything, um, quote unquote, cool going on in Ghost. You know? <laughs> yeah, everybody only remembers that pottery scene. Uh, Robert, I don't know what else is going to happen in the show, but I want to personally thank you for making <laughs> redeeming Ghost for me. Well, you're welcome. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into the science of shadow people. Yes, the science of what is actually going on when you perceive some sort of shadowy monstrosity creeping out at the edge of your reality. 
All right, we're back. Now, you guys deal with paranormal experience a lot on your show. Now, for, for, for new listeners, for people who maybe aren't as familiar with uh, stuff they don't want you to know, um, where do you guys stand when it comes to uh, skepticism, when it comes to scientific explanations of perceived paranormal events and the the magic and mystery of paranormal events? Okay, for me, mm-hmm. uh, it's all about the want to believe. Uh, I currently don't believe in much of it personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I have a deep desire to not only understand, but to explore those outer reaches, like we are talking about earlier. Um, for paranormal experience, if we're talking about shadow people, I think, as we will find very shortly, that we can explain much of the phenomena. Um, if we go a little deeper towards alien abductions and some of that stuff, I tend to lean a little bit more towards the possibilities of it being true. Um, okay. But I would say two out of ten Okay, that's, that's fair. How about you, Ben? Uh, yeah, so Matt and I often have similar conversations like this. When it comes to the paranormal specifically, it's very important, I think, to remember that human understanding is a in a continual state of progress. And many of the things that once upon a time were miracles or curses later became um, something that we could understand through our current framework of science. I don't think that makes any of those things any less terrifying or any more amazing because, um, you know, it's, it, it's all kind of, uh, it's, it's all kind of like, a, a magic trick or, or learning the, the behind the scenes of someone writing your favorite story. Is, uh, is it possible that we will run into phenomena that can just never be explained? It's possible. I hope it doesn't happen. But when we, when we look at things that are on the fringes of mainstream science or orthodox understanding, uh, we do find things that have no no physical or quantifiable proof, and those things would be experiences or anecdotes about ghosts, or uh, you know the the idea of alien visitation, which is um, mathematically staggering, just mm-hmm. given the scale of time and space. But then we also find things that I think are magical regardless of and I don't mean magical in a sweet Disney way right. I mean freaky man like yeah. uh, the idea of of quantum entanglement uh, should make everyone really 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 weirded out no matter what you're doing if you're eating a sandwich right now think about how that sandwich might be entangled with something <laughs> later in the universe carefully consider your condiments you know there was a there was a guy in New York that for a while, maybe still doing it, uh, who was offering quantum entanglement marriage ceremonies. <laughs> where, and I forget the, exactly the specifics of how this worked, but uh, you know, two people would, would enter and he would somehow quantumly entangle the two of you so that uh, you know, no matter where you go in this universe, there would, there would be that bond between you, a quantum bond. Wow. Do you think it has any effect on their other, the multiplicities of them that exist in the other multiverses? Oh, yeah. I don't know. 
you know, I don't know how it affects quantum divorce rates either. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can pay extra, <laughs> right, for a service there. But but yeah, so that's 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 the point. Is that um, typically I think there's often a false dichotomy um, in in some realms of the conspiracy world between a conspiracy theorist and a skeptic, because really what we should only be talking about is critical thinking. And mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, with the vast majority of paranormal phenomenon, the stuff that the stuff that has been closely examined has often been explained, just not in a way that is perhaps as exciting or as sexy as some people would want it to be. But I don't think that makes it any less amazing, and I don't think that means that we should stop investigating. Yes, indeed. And uh, and one of the things, too, that I think is important to, to point out about paranormal experience is that, you know, we can, we can sit around all day and say, all right, well, you know, mathematically, alien abductions are not occurring, uh, or the, the likelihood of a ghost existing, an angel existing, fairies existing, though, you know, we can, we can call that hogwash all day, but, but, it, but, but ultimately, a paranormal experience is real. People do experience something that they cannot explain, and in, in lieu of an actual explanation, they end up applying other explanations to it. They draw from existing scripts of folklore, existing scripts of, uh, of religion, ex- existing scripts of science fiction, pop culture. Those end up being uh, the, the buckets we turn to to try and explain things that happen to us that do not match up with our normal perception of reality or our, our normal experience of life. Yeah, that you know when you say that, that makes me think one of the um, one of the perfect. And I don't want to derail us uh, here, but one of the perfect examples of that would be some of the uh, hallucinations that people take on spiritual journeys, um, mm-hmm. especially given that that is such a a long standing tradition across so many cultures, uh, one thing that we have always found, we being the human race entire, is that those experiences, um, regardless of how somebody might examine neurochemistry or attempt to, you know, quote-unquote debunk the nature of whatever that spirit journey is, uh, these people do have legitimate and valid experiences. And I, I really appreciate um, you pointing that out because Matt and I uh, go out of our way to um, be as respectful to people who genuinely have had an experience as we can. You know, mm-hmm. we don't we don't want to ever you know purposefully irritate or ever uh, uh, I guess denigrate somebody for telling us honestly about something that they experience. We might not agree on the causes, but also. We weren't there, so yeah. Anecdotal evidence is, it's it is easily uh, discounted, um, but like you said, it's it's real or something happened. Yeah. Now, one example of certainly paranormal experience. I mean, right here in the room, uh, Noel, our normal uh, producer, is uh, is out on vacation as well, uh, or something like vacation. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not getting into his business, but uh, <laughs> in his place, uh, Candler's here, and and Candler was just telling us about paranormal experiences that he has encountered. And by this, I mean he does see shadow people mm-hmm. uh, when he is sleep deprived, and he has experienced um, sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to refresh, uh, sleep paralysis is all about 
what does uh, what does our body do while we're dreaming? Ultimately, uh, the idea is that uh, when the when the body shuts down for sleep, uh, it's go- the muscles are going on kind of a lockdown because in your dream you may be having a uh, karate battle with a dragon, but you don't need your limbs to be having that same battle because uh, you know you may have uh, uh, dogs or cats or humans laying around you sleeping. You may have lamps that you don't want destroyed and windows you don't want to plunge through. So uh, sleep paralysis is uh, just the, the locking down of the muscles is there to keep things from getting crazy. However, sometimes things uh, get out of sync a bit. And, uh, and, and in sleep paralysis, what happens is that, the, is that you wake up, the conscious mind is waking up from, from slumber and from dream. But the body is not unlocked yet. So you're waking up into a locked body. And you're, you're not completely awake either, as we'll discuss in a bit. The, the phases of moving into and out of sleep are the perfect zones to see things that are not there or apply non-rational explanations for things that are there. Exactly. You've, you've been having some pretty crazy hallucinations for the past few hours. If you're experiencing sleep paralysis, you're in a completely another world. You're, like you said, perhaps let's let's use the uh, dragons uh, example. Okay. So mm-hmm. you've been fighting a dragon. Uh, you wake up, you're in your bed, but you can't move at all, and you're still seeing uh, like at least a shadow of this dragon form that is still trying to attack you while your body is not functioning. Yeah, if you funny. if you don't know what sleep paralysis is, this is the most terrifying moment in your entire life, and. It just made me think about all of the people that experienced this before we had the the tool of science mm-hmm. and, and to be able to look at this and figure out exactly what it is. And there were several, something that you had written about before in your Monsters of the Week were uh, several, the first one was Nightmares about this. Uh, can you explain that just slightly? Oh, yeah. I mean, the nightmare, the nightmara, it's uh, an idea that you just see in culture after culture after culture. And it's the idea that you're waking up and there's some oppressive force pressing down on you, uh, that, you know, just either setting on your chest or just uh, just an oppressive force that's keeping you from moving. And uh, and, and you just see it, again, in culture after culture after culture, different different explanations slightly, different mm-hmm. different shades of what exactly the, the entity is, but it, it's, it's everywhere. And a lot of people who experience sleep paralysis find, see this thing. Uh, it's been called the intruder. Um, it's been called a succubus or an incubus. Uh, they have very specific uh, things that they do if, if it's going to be named an incubus or a succubus. Mm-hmm. But uh, you wrote in your one of your articles or the, the blog post about how these creatures are mimics. And uh, it made me think about what we're about to go into the the science, at least from this one study that we looked at, about how these things are almost a a mimic of ourselves, mm-hmm. or a um, a version of ourselves. Indeed. Yes, Matt, mimicry, Robert, mimicry. I okay. So clearly, Matt and I are big fans of the show. Uh, one of the one of the things that we find fascinating about human experience in general or the way human beings participate in the outside world is that the our entire species has this compulsion to to classify to anthropomorphize to make um to make a coherent picture from the Rorschach blot you know so it's it's strange to me when we hear when we hear stories of people saying you know I saw this mysterious figure and 
it's always, you know, humanoid, or at the very least, it's always, in some cultures, it's a, it's a specific shade of an animal or something, but it's always a common animal, too. Um, and, I, and I think it's interesting because it says a lot about the way our brains deliver this sort of sensory information to us. Now, just to touch base again on uh, on sleep paralysis, uh, researchers are not sure why exactly normal paralysis happens during consciousness for victims of sleep paralysis, but uh, the studies have confirmed that the attacks are particularly likely to occur if the person enters uh, REM sleep uh, quickly after hitting the pillow, uh, bypassing the stages of non-REM sleep uh, that usually happen first. So uh, some of the factors that are often involved here are drifting off while lying on your back, if you're feeling stressed, if you're experiencing a disruption in your normal sleep patterns, such as uh, you know, like a weird work schedule, jet lag, uh, you're having a little bit too ca- much caffeine, a little bit too much alcohol. But uh, at the end of the day, 20 to 60 percent of the normal adult population has experienced sleep paralysis at least once, and around 5 percent of the population has experienced one or more of other disturbing symptoms associated uh, with this disorder. And in this, we're talking about getting into hallucinations, mm-hmm. uh, shadows, and light, uh, human animal figures, uh, auditory hallucinations, hearing voices or footsteps, and and even that strong sense of a presence, something menacing, or even uh, kinesthetic sensations, such as uh, the feeling of being dragged out of bed or uh, vibrating, flying, falling, uh, which, again, all of these things uh, can easily play into a fantastic interpretation involving uh uh, you know, demons soaring through the air and taking you off to some Sabbath on the other side of the hill or aliens taking you up and probing you. And on the probe note, it's also worth noting that a lot of these uh, sleep paralysis encounters do end up having a kind of sexual overtone to them because, I mean, sleep itself, the dream world, often has shades, obviously, of mm. sexual uh, desire in there. And seen as the human brain in the state of sleep is still relatively mysterious mm-hmm. in some fronts um, it, it makes sense that we don't we don't completely understand what triggers this uh, arrhythmic cycle or synchronization between the conscious mind and the human body uh, but we also know that the the human mind is not dichotomous when it comes to waking and sleeping right there's sort of a spectrum and we all kind of slide along it on our way to sleep and then our way to hitting the snooze button again and there's this really weird sort of twilight zone sweet spot if you will uh wherein you can have dreams or hallucinations that are more vivid even than, you know, any high school comedy you've seen where someone accidentally takes acid. Yeah, you when you're drifting into sleep or coming out of it, you kind of have a, a, a leg in both worlds. Uh, now, in my own experience, the, like the two examples that I, I come back to on this are pretty much any night that I'm, I'm sleep I'm, I'm drifting off to sleep, but I'm still reading. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys encountered this. Oh, yeah. But you reach that point where you're still reading but you're not reading the book like you're somehow reading a made up book uh, off the very real pages that you're looking at and and generally that's the point where you, where I'm just kind of think oh well I'm I'm not reading the real book anymore time to go to sleep but <laughs> but when you stop and you look back and you real you know you end up doing a double take on that like that is that is a cue that there is this very weird twilight zone that you're uh, you're 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 trouncing through on your way to slumber mm-hmm. have you guys ever gotten the I don't know a better way to explain it besides the 
the blue falling hallucination of it's just kind of blue light that falls in front of your eyes. Do, yeah. do either of you guys wear contacts? Yes. Yes. Okay. So when I sleep without my contacts and I've got extremely close um, uh, nearsightedness and sometimes when I wake up and everything is very blurry and I'm still in somewhat of a dream state and I'm just trying to decide whether or not I want to actually get up or not, mm. I will, if I close one eye, I can see this kind of blue falling light. Huh. Um, I guess in the eye that I have closed, but it's by doing so, it ends up being transferred onto uh, my left eye that is open in this case. Uh, and I've, I've been trying to figure out exactly what that is, and it, and it has something to do with uh, the this type of hallucina- hallucination. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it called? The, the these types of hallucinations. All right, there are two two different uh, states, two different hallucinations we're talking about here. One is the hypnopompic state. Now, this is the state of consciousness leading out of sleep, and then the uh, the opposite. The state uh, leading into sleep is the hypnagogic state. And in theory, that hypnagogic state, again, you're going to sleep, and so the rational waking mind is trying to make sense of nonlinear dream images and associations. Uh, so, again, you're, you're seeing pages that aren't there, and you're trying to figure out, well, why am I seeing pages that aren't there? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the uh, hypnopompic state is the emotional and naive dreaming mind trying to make sense of real-world sights and sounds. Wow. So this is where we get this this waking dream. So there might be some sort of weird shadow in the room. The light is strange on the ceiling. We hear the sound of the, the cat scratching on something. And we still have that crazy, open dream mind that's trying to make sense of it. The same mind that totally buys into whatever fantastic, crazy dream you're having. Mm-hmm. Of course I'm fighting a dragon. This is what I do. That <laughs> mind is suddenly trying to figure out what the cat is doing under the bed. Mm-hmm. It's, maybe it's a dragon, right? Yeah, fantastic. and then uh, that's that's perfect because we can make we can make a few examples here that will be clearly understandable to uh, anyone who has missed their alarm clock a couple of times. You guys, if you're listening, you've probably had this moment where you're in a dream and then there's a fire alarm somewhere in the distance or a car alarm. (laughs) Or if you use a ringtone on your cell phone, all of a sudden your strange dream with uh, your old high school buddy and, I don't know, Vladimir Putin, whatever, (laughs) something topical. Uh, All of a sudden this ringtone you love comes on and you and your high school chum and Vladimir Putin are dancing to Every Day I'm Hustling and then you wake (laughs) up, which I assume is someone's ringtone, and then you wake up and... You realize, oh, it was all it was all a dream. The, these things happening uh, in the outside world went through uh, this this internal script that I had that might have been influenced by historical uh, older scripts, you know, religious scripts, folkloric stuff. And to me, that's fascinating because when I fall asleep with uh, a radio on or something like that. Um, you know, Robert, uh, I recently got a dog, mm-hmm. and the dog makes noises that my sleeping mind is not used to. Right, because you're you're a new dog owner, right? You've right, been yeah. a, a cat person up till, up until now. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I've had a had a lot. It turns out the dog snores, <laughs> so I've had I've actually had a couple sleeping dragon dreams. Nice, <laughs> and, and nice. waking up uh, and finding out that thank God, it's just a puppy, <laughs> and not Smaug. <laughs> 
You know, I, I have a very clear memory from when I was a, a, a like a young kid, uh, and definitely in an age where er- toys are everything. You know, action figures are everything, and and you know you end up you see these pictures in like the Sears catalog, and you just you obsess about it. Like I, I would love to have that Transformer one day, and I distinctly remember waking up from a dream of having some sort of fancy Transformer toy and seeing it next to me in the bed for you know, for this very small amount of time, but enough time to make an impact on me uh, as a child. Now, granted, it's a memory, and, and we've on this podcast we've talked plenty of times about how, uh, how, how many opportunities we have to mess up a dream, especially every time we drag it out of the box. But, but, it, but it had an impact on me because I, I saw how there was this possibility for something in a dream to sort of follow you out of the dream for a little bit before mm-hmm. it scampers back <laughs> into, the, uh, into the subconscious. Uh, that is a beautiful and terrifying thought. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It is it, it's beautiful and terrifying, just like all these various interpretations of the uh, paranormal. Yeah. yeah, and when we're talking about shadow people, it's it's fairly apparent that you know this this falling into waking and sleeping and and the weird twilight zone between those two points. It's fairly apparent that this is a very old thing, and that. What we call shadow people today in the age of the Internet have been called many other things and often uh, behaving in some of the same ways. But we have an advantage, um, an advantage that was won through bloody centuries of experimentation and breaking ethics. Uh, we know a little bit more about the human brain, right? And and you sent us some some fascinating information regarding uh, kind of a look behind the curtain explaining that feeling of a presence, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really fascinating study. It came out in 2006, uh, a Swiss study published in the journal Nature. And uh, no, it was not a study that was it, specifically targeting the shadow people. Because okay. uh, you know, I guess you tend to have trouble getting funding for that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> the thing is, this sort of uh, apparition, this kind of shadow figure, does play uh, into the experiences of psychiatric and neurological patients. So the researchers made this discovery while evaluating a, a perfectly normal 22-year-old woman for surgical treatment of epilepsy. And when they electronically stimulated her brain's left temporoparietal junction, or TPJ, they uh, repeatedly gave her the sensation of a lurking shadow man in her presence. Uh, she perceived the shadow person is just behind her. Uh, she perceived uh, the, the, the figure as interfering with her attempts to read a book, like trying to snatch it out of her hands. And when the uh, researchers stimulated her in a seated position, this is the, the best part, uh, for me, she perceived herself to be seated in the entity's lap, and he had he she it uh, had its arms around her, and she described this as being an unpleasant feeling. That's that's really interesting. Just the idea of uh, she basically was having an out of almost this strange out of body experience in a way where she was, uh, I guess her her feeling of. Oh, this is hard for me to explain. I can't explain this. Maybe you guys will be better at this, but just that I, I've had that feeling before, but not because my uh, brain was being uh, electrocuted. Well, it's kind of like some some part of her sensory interpretation got was hijacked, you know, mm-hmm. uh, by this by this simulation. We know that in terms of evolution, it's been necessary and advantageous for people to have that feeling of, you know, a sixth sense or a shining or whatever. Uh, in, in short, it's 
it's really good for the human race at large if a lot of us are paranoid in uh, in strange situations, but also finding the finding the neurological button or one of the neurological buttons that can trigger this uh, reminds me of some some earlier stuff that you guys have done on this show about finding a specific part of the brain that is responsible for you know experiencing the presence of God, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Um, the the thing about this is that. Uh, Matt and I are pretty into self-experimentation, so I would love to figure out a way. <laughs> don't you have, I don't know if you should shock your brain. <laughs> don't you have a TDCS or some form of electrical brain uh, shocker? Uh, we're working on all kinds of stuff. Off air. Uh, wait, are you making it yourself? I would not. Are you like off of plans <laughs> off the internet, or are you buying one at a at a pawn shop? Look, Robert, the uh, <laughs> people at the FDA are trying to. Trying to stop the progress of my experimentation, and uh, you know, I've I've tried several different methods. Uh, it is true that there are now finally some commercially available TDCS devices that do not require you to be a doctor in charge of a clinical study, but those devices uh, leave a lot to be desired. And if you want something done right, you often need to do it yourself. Well, before you go shocking your uh, left uh, temporal parietal junction, uh, TDJ, uh, let's let's just uh, take it apart uh, for a second for the listeners here and go through what the, the TPJ does. The TPJ concerns self-processing, uh, self-other distinction, and multisensory body uh, integration info. Uh, the, the electrical stimulation, in this case, of this, uh, again, uh, perfectly normal otherwise uh, uh, patient, thought to have caused uh, her to uh, attribute her own actions to this alien entity, to her, to her shadow, to something just uh, a few degrees left of her uh, actual location or a little bit behind her. Um, and, uh, and so the researchers propose that electrical stimulation to this area in the patient disturbed, again, multisensory, but also um, sensor motor integration of information with respect to her body, uh, leading to the appearance of, a, uh, of what, what is otherwise a first-rank symptom of uh, schizophrenia. Uh, in this, a person with no psychiatric history along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting we're getting down to the perception of not only reality, but the perception of self in reality, which uh, which we often take for granted. You know, we think that we know who we are because we're looking out of this body mm-hmm. and we're seeing the world, and, and that a lot of it's based on sight. But clearly, it's more complex than that, right? Uh, and we we see here the line between our same perceptions of reality and self, and the insane or the magical being just a, uh, a far uh, slimmer line than uh, most of us assume on just a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if at one day we will ascribe a sixth sense as our sense of just that overall sense of self that we're describing here, of where we are in reality. It's not necessarily touch, not necessarily sight or any of that. It's just your own, your brain's own understanding of where it is in space-time. Yeah, it's almost like if you're watching a movie and the, the, the film quality blurs or, the, the, or the, the boom mic is suddenly in shot. Yeah. Like, to a certain extent, 
seeing shadow people or experiencing an out-of-body uh, experience, uh, which we'll get into in a second here, is kind of like the boom mic getting in the shot. <laughs> but it's like if you saw the film, though, and you didn't say, hey, there's the boom mic, you might think, there is a demon on the on the ceiling in this room. What are our characters going to do to survive it? Like, we don't have the, the processing. You know, like the brain, you can get in that area where the brain cannot stand outside of itself and perceive itself. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What were you going to say about astral travel or out-of-body experiences? Oh, well... There? You know, out-of-body experiences or, or OBEs, mm-hmm. as apparently mm-hmm. somebody calls them. Um, the you know these happen. People do experience these. This is not just unsolved mystery stuff. Uh, they most commonly happen to people with neurological disorders, such as uh, chronic migraine, strokes, mm-hmm. epilepsy, brain tumors. Uh, some uh, also estimate that five to ten percent of perfectly healthy people also have the sensation at some point, uh, and we can actually connect out-of-body experiences, again, to that TPJ. Uh, researchers have used uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation on the TPJ uh, to impair mental transformations of the body in healthy volunteers. So essentially able to uh, to stimulate that part of the brain to produce a kind of out-of-body experience mm-hmm. uh, without the aid of you know near-death experience or astral projection or strange right. rituals. Or whatever they did in Flatliners. Right. Yes. That. The uh, funny side note for that, uh, the United States government actually poured uh, quite a bit of money into uh, OBE research. you there's a there's a film loosely based on that called The Men Who Stare at Goats. Is that right, oh, Matt? That's correct. Yeah, uh, they have, but they they have people who were professional astral travelers. Uh, the most famous of which was a guy named Dingo Swan. Uh, I should go ahead and say, in the interest of fairness, that this program was, to our knowledge, canceled uh, because it was not as cost-effective as, you know, they had hoped. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and there was remote viewing. Uh, I guess that would be a form of astral yeah. travel. Yeah, there were a lot of interesting things. Was that Project Stargate? Project Stargate, yep. Fascinating. Well, I mean, if you look at it, I guess, from the government's point of view, if perceivably there might be a window open mm-hmm. there you, you don't want to just be there one day when the, the soviets come crawling through that window you want to explore that window and make sure that it is indeed closed or at least maybe i'm just i'm, I'm hopeful that that is the, the mindset that's, the going into that's it, yeah. precisely actually yeah. that's exactly the reasoning that we mm-hmm. yeah that, that's the closest thing we could arrive at so so robert have we found the explanation behind shadow people I think so. I think it's if, if it's not uh, again. You get into shadow people. There seems to be varying um, degrees of it. Like this is definitely a case where someone is perceiving a very near um, entity, something that is basically living just a few degrees away from their own mm-hmm, body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that we can definitely see with uh, with these experiments with the TPJ. Now, when you get into some of the other scenarios where someone's viewing a shadow on the other side of the room. I think yeah. maybe we need to turn more towards that uh, uh, that realm of sleep paralysis mm-hmm. and those uh, uh, waking or plunging into slumber hallucinations. But uh, but I think we have some strong ammo here to to explain some of the cases and, and throw a lot of uh, rational thinking at other cases. Mm-hmm. I don't know, guys. I'm going to hold out judgment until Game of Thrones concludes in, like, 2025. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, if he ever finishes... Those books. Oh, uh, man. It's good. It's, the, the race is really on to see what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Not in terms of the, the, the storyline. <laughs> Just that one but character. But the TV show versus, uh, versus the novels, which mm-hmm. we'll get to finish first. 
Well, I would just like to say, uh, it feels like we're concluding here. Yes. I would just like to say, Robert, thank you again for having us on. It's Absolutely. been a pleasure. Oh, well, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, yeah, we, we just have a few minutes here before the, the shadowy entities creep in and drag us away, but uh, we should probably go ahead and just shill absolutely everything. So, first of all, of course, you guys have been doing this awesome video series for a while, and your efforts have just recently expanded. Uh, please share with, with our listeners uh, everything you're working on right now. Oh. Not the top secret stuff or the illegal stuff involving brain stimulation, but <laughs> the, the, all the, the on-the-board stuff. It, it's a gray area, but okay, Matt. Sure. Well, if, okay, if you want to learn more about our show, you can go to the longest URL in history called yep. StuffTheyDon'tWantYouToKnow.com, uh, or you can find us on YouTube. We are conspiracy stuff on there. Um, we make shows, three shows a week. There might be more sometimes, might be less, who knows? Who knows? We also make an audio show it's now. It's true, yeah, uh, where we reference uh, stuff to blow your mind as well. It's true. Um, and let's see, oh, we're also on Twitter. Uh, but I'd like to spend some time uh, talking about some uh, stuff to blow your mind things that I think everybody should check out. If you're listening to this and you haven't visited StuffToBlowYourMind.com to check out the amazing blog, uh, our our mutual favorite, Matt, is is always monster-related, right? Oh, yes. And there's something very special coming up. I don't know if... Have you been talking about this yet? Uh, yeah, I've been mentioning a little bit. And, and it should be out at, for anyone listening to, uh, to the show right now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I do this uh, Monster of the Week blog series where I take a take something uh, in the, the monstrous realm, be it you know pop culture, movies, X Files, or something more folklore, myth based, and then try and get at the science of it. For instance, with the with the shadow people, it was a direct study that linked it. Other times, I'm kind of taking something that that uh, that that isn't about that monster, but if you start bringing the two together, then you can see uh, you can see the connection. Basically, the idea is that whatever we attribute to the fantastic in a made-up monster, if you look close enough in the natural world, you'll find something just as fantastic. Uh, and and that's ultimately the connection I try and get out there. And so now we have a video series based on this. Uh, we're running six episodes off called Monster Science. With where, uh, Dr. Oh, Anton oh, yeah. Jessup. With Dr. Anton Jessup, who uh, is a uh, disgraced um, curator of monster sciences at the university, and we were able to get him to do this uh, series for us right there in his basement. It's a so. huge get. Yeah, well, hopefully so, and you know, and and, and if it's a success, we'll do more of them. Uh, if not, then uh, Doctor Jessup may uh, may may vanish for a while under mysterious circumstances. I hope not. Cool. Well, all right. Well, hey, uh, you know, check it out. You can find it on uh, our YouTube channel, Mind Stuff Show. It's also all over StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That's our mothership. That's where all of the podcasts, episodes uh, live. That's where the videos are. That's where the blog posts are. Uh, and that's where you'll also find links out to these various social media accounts like Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, uh, et cetera. Um, also, uh, I mentioned this on the Facebook. Some of uh, you had asked me about uh, this, but I also uh, personally have a collection of short stories out called uh, Eight Black Offerings. So if anyone out there is interested in uh, some rather bleak, gruesome horror tales uh, that I wrote previously and had been published previously, uh, that book is available. You can search for it on Amazon, and it's only for grown-ups. To read. Oh, yeah, live testimonial. Uh, I, I picked up a copy of this book, and I don't know if we talked about it, but... I really enjoyed it. 
personally, and the only thing I was going to say is that it, it's probably only for adults. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's some grim stuff that uh, it's not the kind of stuff I would even write today. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I bring it up because because uh, I know some of you listeners had asked about it, uh, and in the future, I'm hopefully going to have some stuff out that is uh, it's, it's more for a general audience. Getting dark with Robert Lamb. Yeah. Yeah, that's the next uh, the next video series. Uh, so, anyway, uh, hey, uh, you guys have an email address, right? If people want to reach you on email, uh, where do they send those, uh, those those queries about shadow people? You can send all of your complaints to conspiracy at discovery.com. Oh, wait, wait. You can, you can send any questions about uh, shadow people to conspiracy at discovery.com. Uh, if you have complaints, please do forward them to our official complaint department, Jonathan Strickland, over at... <laughs> Tech stuff. So that's Jonathan Strickland at discovery.com. Cool. And uh, as always, our email address is blowthemind at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. <laughs> 